0: It's time for episode 199 of the Clockwise podcast from Relay FM recorded Wednesday, July 26th, 2017. Clockwise: 4 people, 4 tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise where we've got a warning for you. If thou gaze long into a clock the clock will also gaze into thee. I am Micah Sargent, and I am joined as always by the one and only
0: Dan Morin, my co-host here. How are you, Dan? I'm good. I'm trying not to look directly into the clock. It's just safer that way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it gets a little scary when you see it like tick-tocking while it also looks into your soul. Um, Well, we of course have two wonderful guests with us as well, and to my... Very left is the one and only PCalc professional. It's James Thompson. How are you doing, James?
2: Uh, A pleasure to be here. I I definitely was not staring into the clock, which is why we were slightly late in starting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And to my left, another returning guest and a, a newly minted senior writer at Tom's Guide. Caitlin McGarry is back. Hi, Caitlin.
3: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming back. So
1: happy you both are here, Uh, but you all know how this show works. We have got 30 minutes, we've got four topics, uh, and I will kick things off with our first topic. So I'm curious, I am currently staring at all of you, that sounds weird, Uh, through two monitors. Uh, Are you using a one-monitor setup, a multi-monitor setup? Do you you have a preference? Uh, What does it even look like? You got some special wallpapers that kind of mold between the two of them. Uh, Let's hear all of the details you have. And James, of course, we'll start with you.
2: Well, I have a multi-monitor setup in a way. Uh, I have a 2014 model 27-inch Retina iMac in my home office, which is my main development machine. That runs Xcode, Photoshop, Illustrator, things like that mainly. No social media apps on it at all. No Twitter, no Slack, no email, no messages. In theory, no distractions. To my right, however, I have an... (laughs) <laughs> early 2015 uh 13-inch MacBook Pro that has all the aforementioned apps on it. So the idea behind this setup is when I'm working on the iMac I can concentrate fully without the world getting in my way, but if I turn around slightly I still have access to everything else on the laptop. Generally I have most notifications switched off as well aside from icon badges. So if I go looking for stuff I can see things but I don't have everything jumping out at me all the time. Uh, This falls apart slightly because I have even more screens at my desk in the form of an iPhone, at least one iPad and an Apple Watch. So if I'm doing development on one of those devices, which is very likely, I'm going to see notifications pop up on those as well because uh, I'm not rich enough to have an iPhone purely for development. I don't have any particularly special wallpaper on them, though. I have a calming sunset beach scene on my iMac, which sort of <laughs> relaxes me. And I have the moon as seen from Earth orbit on my laptop, and I don't know what that says.
0: <laughs> says you're out in space, James. Um, like James, I also sort of go for a multi-Mac setup. But on my main desk, which I'm sitting at right now, I have my iMac, which is a pretty new 5K iMac, which... Um, It is a single screen, although right now I'm using multiple desktops on it. I have a second desk in my office, because why not? Um, This one is, uh, the one I'm at right now is a sit-stand desk, so um, that was a later addition to the office, but my original desk has on it a 27-inch cinema display and a MacBook Air. I pretty much never work at that desk not least of all because right now it's essentially inaccessible with large piles of boxes in the way Um, but it's basically a dedicated charging station for my macbook air uh, which i use whenever i i leave the house or if i need to resign myself to the sofa um that's really been my only experiment with using a dual monitor setup at least at home in the last decade or two um i tried it out I, I, one of my old jobs when i used to work in office i did have dual monitors and it was definitely handy but i think it was also mainly a way to spend a lot of extra budget that we had lying around <laughs> on equipment um when it came to the 5k imac i did need to do some working i always prefer to have my own pictures that i've taken as a desktop wallpaper and so I had to look through all my pictures to find one that was large enough to even remotely fit on the 5K iMac, which had to be a panorama that I had taken from India. So it's very nice. It's a nice picture of a tea plantations. But it, I realized it was kind of comical when all the photos I had taken, which I thought of as insanely huge resolution on my old 21 and a inch iMac. I put them on the 5K iMac and it's like, oh, look at all this background space around them. So that was an interesting adjustment
3: dance setup sounds way more impressive than mine. <laughs> um, so with, uh, a change of jobs comes a brand new start in everything. So, uh, I used to have a, uh, 21 inch iMac and a, uh, MacBook air. And, uh, now I'm using a, uh, MacBook air at the office with an external display. And I just bought the brand new, um, 13 inch MacBook pro, for home, and I am considering getting an external display for it, but I haven't decided which one. So, tips, advice would definitely be appreciated. Um, the The office setup with the external display is just the the work issued standard, <laughs> so nothing <laughs> nothing impressive there. Um, but yeah, I would love to get something from my house. So, if anybody has any advice, I'd love to hear it.
1: Mm awesome loving all the answers and hopefully we'll have some advice for you there um i am rocking the dell u2415 (laughs) monitors i have two two of those uh just rolls
3: off the tongue doesn't it oh yeah indeed
1: it does um they're both are running at like i think it's uh 19 yeah 1920 by 1200 resolution they're they're, they're good monitors, but I have uh, just a series of, of photos that change every 30 minutes on them. So nothing that uh, fades between, which I think is a really excellent setup. And this question actually came from um, a listener of the show, Spencer, who had asked me and shown me this ridiculous setup that he had with uh, these photos. Every, like, every single one of them would just go between the two. So it was uh, a bit of a challenge, I guess, in me trying to find some of those uh, fade between options that are out there so i could also use some some tips and uh recommendations from people so definitely send those in all right thank you all for your answers james let's move on to you what you got for us
2: well given the rather surprising announcement by your president that apple is building three big beautiful manufacturing plants in the u.s (laughs) (laughs) And with a possible Foxconn announcement about something in Wisconsin tonight, maybe, uh, do you think there's any actual point to assembling iPhones in the U.S. when most of the component infrastructure is on the other side of the planet? Uh, Is this just a gesture with an eye to getting a deal to bring some Apple profits back into the country?
0: Apple has Definitely made uh, made more noise about trying to do stuff inside the U.S., and most notably, it assembled the Mac Pro here. Now, I say assembled, didn't build the parts for it. It just sort of assen- put all took all the parts, shipped them in, and put the computers together. Is it possible it could go- do something like that with the iPhone? Yeah, it's possible, but the volumes are so large that I have a hard time believing that the company would actually shift any legitimate manufacturing to the us just as you say in your question um all the parts and components are are pretty much made overseas so it seems like it would be a lot of added expense to either transition all of that to the us or to even just move all the ship all the parts over here and do final assembly on the phones as well Uh, in addition those manufacturing factories and facilities do have it kind of down to a science over there and it's something that i feel like hasn't been emphasized as much domestically over the last several decades so that all that said it's possible that there could be some forays into doing this in the u.s at least for smaller runs of products but i really I'm pretty skeptical that any sort of iPhone assembly or manufacturer is going to take place in the U.S.
3: I feel like something got lost in translation in this conversation (laughs) that (laughs) allegedly took place between Trump and Tim Cook. Um, So what I gather happened was Tim... Possibly was referring to this one billion dollar uh, manufacturing um, initiative that Apple launched this year. Um, so they're investing millions of dollars um, into you know other companies and their manufacturing initiatives here. They just invested, I think it was two hundred million dollars into Corning, um, which has a plant in Kentucky. Um, so it it seems like maybe. Tim Cook was just explaining this effort to Trump and somehow that turned into three big, beautiful plants in America built by Apple. Um, if, if not, then I would be surprised if, if Apple were planning to build, um, plants to produce iPhone parts here because that's a huge undertaking and doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, and now Apple's sort of in this awkward position of do they clarify, deny confirm i'm I'm not really sure what what they do, but um, yeah, maybe they were talking about data centers or something that's a little more plausible um for Apple to build in America um, but I don't know this one is is weird. <laughs>
1: I think that last bit is the best way to put it. This one is very weird. Um, I I don't know. I don't know how to take this in the first place. Like, how much stock can I put in anything that uh, that president says? You said, you know, our president. Oh, it was my president. But anyway, that's aside from the point here. Um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, it makes very little sense to assemble stuff that's made overseas other than to have that put on you know all of the boxes assembled in the united states designed in california and made in china or something like that it's very it's a very strange um like peg to to have and to say oh yeah check this out now we assemble these in the united states i mean hey if it brings jobs that's fantastic but ultimately it is as Caitlin said very weird very weird (laughs) james uh what what do you think, buddy?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, when I worked at Apple in Cork in the 90s, the place I was in, it was mostly a manufacturing plant, or really it was only an assembly plant at that point with a small software and hardware group attached. Uh, even then, it was only really handling the build-to-order configurations for Europe. I think it was the iMac and the Power Mac G4 at the time. All the laptops were being built in the Far East, and it was pretty clear that that was the direction things were going. Both in the sense of laptops and getting other companies to do the actual manufacturing, uh, there were, however, certain tax breaks Apple got by having a plant in Ireland, and they had lost some of them already by the time it stopped doing the full manufacturing there. It used to be the case that you effectively poured sand and plastic in one end, and Apple Twos came out the other end. <laughs> But uh, those days were already long gone by the mid-90s, and most of the components were being manufactured in Asia and then shipped to Ireland for the final assembly. Still, Apple did get a tax advantage because of the plant. Uh, So hearing about these supposed three plants... And also there was a recent iPhone factory that's opening or about to open in India, uh, which again seems for somewhat political rather than logistical reasons. It did make me think about the billions and billions of dollars Apple has sitting outside the US that they might like to bring back into the country if there was a more favorable way of doing so. And also, this isn't going to be Apple opening their own plants, as far as I can tell. You know, it might be investment, you know, in people like Foxconn, Uh, you know, no doubt guided and subsidized by Apple in some way. Um, But, you know, as Dan mentioned, there was the U.S. manufacturing plant in Texas, which I think was uh, making the Mac Pro. And since the Mac Pro wasn't exactly a big success, I don't know what's happening there now. (laughs)
1: Yes, well, we will have to see. Um, I just gazed into the clock, and it gazed back into me, and it is halftime, is what the clock is telling me. So let me tell you all about our friends at Linode. Linode lets you get set up in seconds with their fast and powerful hosting. Their tools are easy to understand and they let you choose your resources and Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility you need. And Linode plans now start at just five bucks a month for a Linux server with a gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. So What's Linode's offer? Well, it's industry-leading performance with native SSD storage, access to a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, which are the fastest processors in the cloud market. They've got nine data centers spread across the world, meaning you can serve your customers quickly. They've got an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. Super simple scaling, which allows you to resize your servers in just a couple of clicks, and it's all manageable via the command line for those of you who love the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and node balancers. So Linode has fantastic pricing options available because you are already excited. You're totally going to check it out. You can get a server with a gigabyte of RAM for just five bucks a month, and you can go all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM for just 60 bucks a month. Across the board, Linode is offering twice the amount of RAM you're going to get elsewhere. As a listener of this very show, if you sign up at linode.com clockwise, you're not only going to be supporting all of us here, but you're also going to get $20 towards any Linode plan. With a seven-day money guarantee, there's really nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or use the promo code clockwise 2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting our show all right dan the clock is now staring at you what have you got for us
0: so google brought its find my friends style app trusted contacts to ios and the biggest improvement about it seems to be its cross-platform works with both android users and ios users it also seems to possibly offer some more fine-grained controls than find my friends does letting you set like particular time windows for people to be able to share locations my question for you guys is do you use location sharing apps like find my friends would you use this Uh, is that something that interests you do you find it too creepy what are your thoughts on that caitlin
3: i do find them creepy in general so i don't use find my friends or any comparable um app i think that google's cross-platform appeal um is is good and i also appreciate the the granular controls i do like being able to share my location in imessage which um, I can't do with my, my Android friends. So that's always a pain um, and really makes you remember that Apple's walled garden, it, it's a real thing. Um, but I, I do think it's good if you have children and you really need to keep tabs on somebody. Um, so I get why people use it, but it's its a little, I don't really want to find my friends, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it. I don't really want to find my friends. I want that on a shirt, because that's the exact same way I feel. I don't, I know. I Like, every time I see, look, if you like it, I love it. If you use find my friends, fine. Some people have it on their home screen. It kind of blows my mind a little bit. I don't understand find my friends. I don't want, ah, I don't want people knowing where I am. I'm not doing anything, you know, that I shouldn't be doing. Or At are least that's you? what you think. Uh, <laughs> but I just, ah, the, the thought of someone being, able to like know my exact location and i might forget to shut i don't know i just don't want people tracking me so find my friends is very strange to me it's just something that i have absolutely no interest in so find my friends can go on somewhere because i also don't want to find my friends what about you james um well no and no next
2: question Uh, okay
3: (laughs) it's not that easy james
2: (laughs) so the, the longer answer is still no I've been quite reticent of late with giving apps my constant location data, regardless of whether or not I'm actually using the app at the time. So Uber and Pokemon Go got deleted for that. Um, Apple clearly sees this as an increasing problem as well. And in iOS 11, they're flagging apps that use your location data from the background with a big blue bar of shame. (laughs) Uh, Certain app developers are upset about this because now users are actually aware of the fact that they're being tracked 24-7. And while I generally trust Apple to keep my information safe, I certainly don't trust Google, the advertising company, not to data mine like, my location data for interesting and exciting new ways to sell my personal information to their advertisers. But again, from a, a general point of view, I don't need to know where my friends or family members are all the time. And I don't need them to know where I am either. Usually I'm sat at my desk anyway. <laughs> It seems like the most valuable commodity 20 minutes into the future will be our privacy. I can see people spending vast amounts of money to just go and stand in a soundproof dark room with no windows and no wireless signals just so that they can get a break from this constant tracking. Actually, that's a great business idea. I shouldn't put it in a podcast for free.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. All right. I'm going to be the holdout. Uh, fine, my friends. Micah, it's on my home screen.
3: Uh, Oh uh, Oh my gosh.
0: I just went and looked at my list and counted how many people's locations I have. 17.
3: Why? Yeah,
0: so no there's mind. no reason for
1: that. <laughs> I trust you,
0: Dan. Yeah. No. <laughs> I am very trustworthy, first of all. I've only dispatched SWAT teams to like six of my friends. No. Um, I, I don't know why. I you, I think part of it is a holdover from I really wanted something like this in college, like back when I felt like I had free time. It's like, oh, I've got a free period. I wonder who's around in like a certain like at the library or at the cafe or whatever. Um, and I always loved that idea. It was sad. It was too early for that. But um, I do use it predominantly with my family. Um, It's good for me to be able to keep tabs on my parents. um, And... Uh, A couple of my cousins and I uh, also have our our location information exchange. I do like the idea, and I'm sad that they kind of got rid of this within the concept of Find My Friends, of the time limited, like, hey, a bunch of us are going to a theme park or hiking for a day or something. Let's just share our location for that day, you know, when you're going to a specific event. I think there is some value in that, and it used to be a Find My Friends ability, but it's kind of gone now. So... I I think it's not for everybody. I certainly don't like post most of my tweets with my location information on them, um, but it is a handy service at times, and I can see an appeal to being able to use a cross-platform thing, though, like James said, I am reticent about giving that information to Google. So I'm not sure that I will be installing this anytime soon. But thanks for your thoughts on that and branding me as a weirdo. Uh, Let's go to our last topic. Caitlin, what do you have for us?
3: Danny, you did it to yourself.
0: Oh <laughs> my gosh. I did.
3: Okay. So, um, this is what I get really excited about with technology is stuff like what I'm about to talk about, which is that Apple just announced that the first, uh, made for iPhone, uh, cochlear implant is hitting the market, which means, um, people with, uh, hearing implants will be able to control the sound directly from their iPhone. So you don't have to install an app, um, which is really convenient, I, I assume, for accessibility purposes. Um, and so it started made, it made me start to think about um, what are some of the other medical uh, potential or, or health use cases for the iPhone or, you know, um, an accessory for the iPhone that... Would get you excited that you would actually use in your life um, if the if the cochlear implant you know doesn't apply to you. Um, so that's what I'm curious about, Micah.
1: Well, uh, first of all, I think that this is really awesome. I'm glad that um, we've got made-for-iPhone cochlear implants, uh, that that Apple and other companies are working to make this a reality, and that they'll work very well together. Because if we know one thing about Apple, it's that it does do a very good job of making sure that technologies that it kind of endorses by slapping that uh, made-for-iPhone or "made for works with Apple HomeKit or what have you, that they work well together. Uh, As for me... I don't particularly have any uh, you know, f- front-facing concerns, but I would love it if there was an iPhone accessory like Apple Watch that could monitor blood pressure and blood glucose. There's been some murmurs and rumbles about possible blood glucose uh, being a, a future feature for Apple Watch, and while I have not been shown to have any risk for high blood pressure or uh, you know, issues with, with processing blood glucose, my family certainly has a history of it. So it's something that I do have to monitor and keep track of over life. And so right now it's just like going to the doctor when I do and getting that information at that point. But if I could have more active, more regular monitoring of that, that would be fantastic. So I'm definitely keeping my fingers crossed that, that Apple watch g-
2: gains more health tracking features. Well, I mean, this sounds on the face of it like a great idea. However, I what I don't know is how permanent a cochlear implant is. Uh, my first concern would be that if they have a lifespan of more than, you know, sort of four or five years or so, whether a future iPhone would be able to talk to them. It's not quite as bad as like the cull of 32-bit apps, which is, you know, probably going to kill off some software support for some hardware devices that are out there, Um But I don't know if I would want something vital like a medical implant uh, tied to my phone, uh, which changes so fast. Um, I wouldn't want, for example, a made-for-iPhone pacemaker.
3: Uh,
2: But uh, I know I sound like I don't trust technology, but that's generally because I know the kind of people who write software. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know... As as was said, you know, if Apple did it, add uh, non-invasive glucose monitoring to an Apple Watch, I think that would be very interesting for diabetics. But also, I think there might there's some uh, use of that for monitoring calorie intake for general fitness as well. Um, I'd also like if you know there were some future AR glasses that could give me better vision, perhaps better than human vision. I'd love to be able to see in the dark or have zoom lenses. Or, you know, my AirPods could give me super hearing and then also be able to switch off the noise of the outside world rather than just drain it out with louder sounds.
0: It's interesting, Caitlin, that you bring this up because I was thinking about this just the other day. And it's because this does have a personal impact on my life. Um, both of my parents are getting kind of older and they both have hearing problems, my father especially. And even though they both have hearing aids, it's still very difficult. And I'm, I'm constantly kind of depressed at the technology and hearing aids because I feel like it should be so much better. And these are just mm-hmm. conventional hearing aids, not even implant. Um, they don't, you know, they have a hard time isolating voices and stuff like that. And there are some hearing aids that are made to work with iPhones, but I think they're still fairly rare and kind of on the expensive side. And so while, while I was sitting awake thinking about this the other night before I fell asleep, I actually had this idea for I, I wish there were a facility to use the iPhone, and in conjunction with sort of like um, a glass-mounted heads-up display to basically provide captions for people when speaking using something like Siri Dictation. And it certainly wouldn't be perfect. There's a lot of problems with that. But Siri Dictation is pretty good. So like if you could put your iPhone on the table and sort of like turn on this app and it would start you know, doing speech recognition and piping the text into like a heads up display in your glasses. I feel like that's another great option to help people who might be hearing impaired and for whom traditional hearing aids don't necessarily help or for whom cochlear implants might be a little bit on the severe side.
3: Yeah, I hear what you guys are saying about um, the the implants and how that could be a little sensitive given, you know, the obsolescence of technology, um, which is why I I was thinking more on the software side. Um, how cool it would be if you had a dashboard on your iPhone. I guess something similar to Health, where all of your electronic medical records were stored. So every time you go see a specialist or you know go for a checkup or anything, all of the information gathered by your health provider just goes into this electronical medical record that you have on your phone. And that syncs with, you know, your fitness apps. And if you're, you know, using calorie counting apps, like my, my, fitness pal or something like that, all of this data just goes into one dashboard and you have it because right now I don't have any of my medical records. They're, you know, scattered to the winds mm-hmm. throughout my entire life, you know? Um, so I think that would be super cool. Uh, It seemed like Apple was dipping its toe into that water with care kit apps, um, which I think have serious potential. Um, And I I realize there's probably a lot of privacy issues and HIPAA compliance and all kinds of stuff that would go along with that. But I think that would actually be a really useful tool for people to have that data.
1: I agree. I agree. I think those are all fantastic questions, and we have reached the end of the show. We have just enough time for a bonus question, once again sponsored by Puppies. Um, I'm curious, if you happen to enjoy alcoholic beverages, what is your favorite to have while you're out and about? What do you ask the bartender to make you? James, we'll start with you.
2: Well, uh, during my early drinking years, way before I went to university, um, I was raised by vet students, And they taught me, amongst other things, about the joy of a bright green melon liqueur called Midori. (laughs) And (laughs) ever since then, I've tended to prefer sweet drinks that don't actually taste very much of alcohol. Uh, Failing that, any Belgian fruit beer, preferably raspberry.
0: I will drink uh, a beer. The darker, the better. Uh, If I'm in the cocktail mood, my drinks are either a gin and tonic in the summer or a sidecar pretty much the rest of the year around.
3: I am also a beer person. It's my go-to. It's always refreshing. Um but if I'm going the cocktail route, I like anything with mezcal. I'm mm-hmm. like smoky, spicy, yes. anything. Yes.
1: Oh my goodness, I love mezcal. Um I I do have to say though if I if I'm going to the, you know, to the bartender I'm either going to ask if they have a coffee stout and if they have a coffee stout, that's what I'm going to have. If they don't, then I just want a double bourbon either neat or on the rocks depending on how i'm feeling so bourbon or coffee stout coming up all righty i think we just reached the end of another episode james thompson thank you so much for joining us and for all of your awesome work on uh and all the fun
2: stuff that you keep adding to it uh it's it's a pleasure to be here caitlin
0: mcgarry thank you so much for being here as well
3: thanks it was fun
2: and
0: Micah, you know what's even more exciting than the fact that we've got a show coming up next week? It's the fact that is next week is episode 200 of Clockwise. So Holy moly. we may have some special surprises in store. So tune in then. But until then, remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.